E-Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless, and ducted HVAC. The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic, trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. Dr. Brandy Baldwin is the CEO of Millennial Ventures, an award-winning startup launching social impact projects in the education and workforce innovation space. Her business success has afforded her an opportunity to speak at over 200 companies, both nationally and internationally, to share her unconventional insights regarding the future of work, leadership, and diversity and inclusion. Welcome, Dr. Brandy. Good morning, Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, I'm excited about our guest, Dr. Brandy. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. Excited to be here. You know, I was going to ask you, uh, you know, it hurts when I raise my arm and I know you would say, well, stop doing that. But you're not that kind of doctor. No, I'm not. I always tell people if they're around me that like I can't save their life. So please, the best thing I can do is call 911 to help you. So I'm a different (laughs) kind of doctor. Well, we met in Minneapolis at CSI, did we not? Yeah, such a great time. Oh, and uh, you blew everybody away, but I I didn't get to hear your presentation like you didn't get to hear mine because we were presenting, I think, at different times. But what a a blessing it was to meet you. And so I have a whole series of questions I want to ask you because I'm super excited about this. Okay. So number one, where were you born and where did you grow up? Um, So I actually was, okay, this is a good story, but I'll keep it kind of short. But I actually was born in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, to a teen mom and the way the story goes as I've heard it you know told back to me was she was you know the family found out she was pregnant they sent her from New York down south with the other family to give birth to me and so although she was born and raised in New York I was born down south Um, but I actually grew up right outside of DC they call it the DMV area and so um, fun fact I went to the remember the titans high school. Yep. TC Williams. And, um, love that area. Love the DC area. Very diverse. And that's where Kevin Durant's from. Yep. 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 KD. Absolutely. (laughs) Yep. And what did, what did your parents do? So, yeah. So my mom has been a registered nurse for over 30 years. She's been in nursing leadership and consulting for the last probably 15 years. So I grew up, you know, um, dressing up as a nurse and wanting to be a nurse. I had the stethoscopes, you know, I never missed a day of school because she would swipe, um, you know, gauze, extra stuff from the the supply cabinet to make sure she can mend me up at home. So it was pretty fun uh, growing up, but it literally was just my mom and I, um, she was oh. a single parent and um, my dad, I don't know 
exactly what he did back in the day, but uh, now he actually is a consultant and coach for socio-emotional learning, particularly focusing on Black youth. So, um, psychology. So early emphasis on education and yeah. commitment to hard work from your folks. Yeah, yeah. You, you earned a PhD. Uh, where did you go to school? So I went to school at Temple, Temple University in Philadelphia, go Owls, um, and got all my degrees there. Um, just stayed and loved the city. The city was really good, good to me. So that was a great to kind of launch my adult life in, in Philadelphia. Temple University, founded by Russell Conwell in the yes. book Acres of Diamonds. Yes. Yeah, that story is amazing. That's an amazing story. But that we could do a whole half an hour on just that. Right. Uh, so in a very real sense, directly and indirectly, Russell Conwell, who wrote the book Acres of Diamonds in 1927 and single-handedly raised all the money to start Temple University way back when. In addition to him, who else have been your mentors? You know what? I'll be honest. Um, my mom has been, you know, I think that natural person who I you know was around and have been around. Um, I always say that I always felt like a little adult. So I was young and, you know, eight, nine, 10, but she had me at the youth investment club meetings and sitting in the back, taking notes at other meetings and things that she was into. Um, as an adult, I would say that I found a lot of guidance really through online gurus. Like in my head, I am have been very close friends with Will Smith. You know what I mean? You can't tell yeah. me, you know, it's I really use those DIY resources early on to try to figure out. I'm like a self-help, or I was, I would say, more so, you know, that self-help. Growing up, listening to my mom, listening to Les Brown tapes in the background. The speaker of renown, Mr. Les right. Brown. Yes, you know, the Tony Robbins. I, you know, she had all the tapes. So I, by default, kind of had that as my my background learning. And it actually sunk in. So you were was, her mini-me. You know what? Literally. Literally, that's who I was. <laughs> yep. yep. That's great. so great. Yep. Guys like Les Brown were you know, instrumental in me, you know, moving in this direction and doing, becoming a speaker and a writer. Because, so in addition to being an extraordinary speaker, and by the way, you have a real presence. Right. You, Coming from you, that says a lot because yeah, oh, a lot of stop. people do not match my energy. It was like when I met you, I was like, oh, I like Mark. This is, this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> well, I think it was Emerson that said, if we're related, we'll meet. And so that's the great thing about we, what we do as professional speakers is we get to meet extraordinary people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Smart people who are autodidacts, who are committed learners, who yeah. keep learning long after college, obviously. Uh, so that's a nice segue into what books, before we talk about your books, which by the way, I thought you only had one, but turns out you have two. And my guess is another one on the way. But what books had an impact on you uh, coming up in addition to audio learning, obviously? So, you know, going back to this, I have a PhD. I'll be honest, most of my 20, 20s, I probably spent a decade, you know, with traditional textbooks, right? Like having to study my psychology books um, sociology and a lot of that kind of stuff. So a lot of my time and books at the time have been, you know, were, were kind of that right now right. as an entrepreneur and a business person, anything, business, money, success, I absolutely um, love. I think some of my tops are from um, Gary Keller from Keller Williams, which is the one thing. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like me as a multi-passionate person, that helped me understand how to get more results by doing less. 
instead right. of right so that was like a, a game changer who not how i can't remember the author but that's another great just from a business standpoint helping me to understand it's not really about figuring out how you're going to get something done but who can help you get it done who do you need to know who do you need to hire and so that was a great paradigm shift and then last but not least and probably most influential and connected to who i am is the bible um, that may sound kind of like wah, 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 right to to um, non-faith-based folks, but low key, the book of Proverbs has such great mm. practical advice that like, I'm like, why did I get this growing up? You know what if I mean? That was the only one of those 66 books in the Bible you read. That's my yes. favorite period like you you can if, if you skip everything else you can read the book of proverbs and there are so many practical like relationship business life um and it blew my mind so those, those are probably the the ones i would say on my book list uh, galatians uh i'm partial to but i'm really partial to mark for obvious reasons yeah yeah and matthew 7 7 changed my life so i i hear you i really do yeah. yep i know yep. and i'm I'm a pretty spiritual person, but I don't talk about the Bible much. I probably should more uh, yeah. because it certainly changed my life. Yes. Um, so you've written two books. The first one was called is called Authentic Ally. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So I was inspired to really write that after having personally had conversations, meetings, doing trainings in this diversity, equity, and inclusion space where people were saying, I want to help the cause of quote unquote racial equity, but I don't know what to do. Um, and so for me being someone who really believes that we're all human, <laughs> we all, our blood, like we bleed red, you know, let's start there with just our humanity rather than segmenting all of these different characteristics doesn't mean that they're not there and that we don't have differences. But that book was really my answer to what I thought was a lot of misplaced and performative um, behaviors that I saw in people who were trying to do too much to kind of help in the diversity and inclusion space. So I think people that are kind of like not into DEI um, would would probably be very surprised when they read the book in, in terms of uncovering really what my perspective and stance is and it's to bring people back to that middle ground and say, hey, you know, let's let's just start with the basic foundations of connecting with each other as humans. Um, and we can all be, quote unquote, allies for each other. It's not a white thing. It's not a black thing. Um, and so uh, we're more alike than we are different. We're more alike than we are different. And so let's stop, you know, trying to segment, you know, figure out how can I be this for that group and that group? And let, let's just we know how to help each other as humans. So. Companies and corporations buy that book in bulk uh, from us uh, on a monthly basis. And it's, it's been a great, great fun project. It's a quick, simple read. And um, yeah, pretty fun. Well, you've done exactly what Russell Conwell said in Acres of Diamonds. Find a need and fill it and do it first or better. Yeah. And yep. that's what you've done. You got ahead of the power curve on on diversity issues and you, you know, hit a home run from your own personal perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It's been great. And it's been a good to see 
the receptivity to that because I think there's a lot of polarizing and divisive content and bad players, bad actors kind of in the DEI space. And when we all can relate to each other first, I think that's a great way to show um, respect and mutual respect for us, you know, despite our differences. So I am unapologetically um, anti-woke and but but pro um, you know, humanity and togetherness. And so right. it's been a great mix. Yeah. So then it wasn't enough that you wrote one book. You had to turn around and do another one <laughs> entitled Put in the Work Volume Two. Now, uh, please explain because I'm sure that it's a clever title. What happened to Volume One? Uh, nothing. It's still, you know, it, it just, this is just an expansion and refining on some ideas from volume one. Not a, not a big difference between one and two. So nothing, nothing to expose there. So there's a volume one. It's out of print now. Oh, okay. Um, yep. Okay. But if you got volume two, you're good to go. See, no one realizes the very first book I wrote wasn't freedom from fear. It was, it was called effective communication and the university of Washington paid me $3,000 to write it. And nine people read it. No, wait, 10, my mother. It had a small audience. Yeah. And uh, I won an award for academic excellence, and uh, but it's not available anywhere, right? Yep, and yep. those kind of things happen. I didn't, when I cashed a check, I gave away the rights to promote and publish or in, and sell it, right? Right, right. Right. Yeah. So it's funny how I, I always get a kick on an author goes, yeah, that one's out of print. <laughs> yeah, I got one of those. You yeah. got one of those, right? Join yeah. the club for different reasons. Yeah. So, uh, so this, so tell us a little bit about uh, putting the work volume two. So, putting work was really the book I wish I had as a young professional. So, I'm breaking down all of those areas: your communication, your conflict, navigating politics and red tape and organizations, and how you can leverage some of those strategies in order to advance your career. So, a lot of people um, don't know that I actually taught. Um, you know, on the college level, taught undergrad communications courses, as well as uh, conflict management courses. So that book, I was kind of like, okay, what can I do to kind of sanitize this textbook content um, and zero in on what a lot of my students were saying they were struggling with? And that even corporate America was saying, we recruit and we get some very um, book smart, you know, college graduates, but they are not they don't have the skills in terms of what the workplace is looking for. So this was that book. So it's great for anyone um, who is either, you know, younger professional or stepping into a new leadership role for the first time, regardless what their age is. So had a lot of fun there, had some personal stories, but um, it's going to be a lot more technical and, and formal in terms of the writing style, but it's, it's been great. And same thing, this is not what I set out to do, but put in work is another one of those books where, um, from corporate, you know, they will order it for their employees and do book clubs and things of that nature. I thought I was going to be an Amazon bestseller. You know, that's what I was striving for. Forget New York mm -hmm. Times. I just wanted to be Amazon. But literally, mm -hmm. it's been one of those uh, real employee resources. So it's been great. Well, so how do we go about getting a copy? I know we can probably get one for, straight from your website. Yeah. Yeah, yep, absolutely. You can go to drbrandy.com to get a copy. Of course, uh, both of these books are on Amazon as well. Okay, so just just so we're clear, it's it's the word doctor, D-O-C-T-O-R, and then Brandy, 
B-R-A-N-D-I.com. Perfect. Right? Yep. Yep. So that's one option. And I don't know about you, but when someone buys a book from my website, I always sign it and put in something extra. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And I'm literally have books on my desk right now that I'm signing and getting out uh, before, you know, within the next couple weeks as well. So anytime they come to the website, absolutely. Isn't that the greatest feeling after a talk? And I know you're giving a lot of talks now uh, to, to have them stand in line. Like at CSI, there were 150 people that stood in line to get signed copies of Freedom from Fear. Yes. And the president of the association came up afterwards. He goes, that was fantastic. He just went on and on and on. It's like, they were so grateful because that was such a great audience. That's I mean, right. 300 architects and planners, right? Oh, such a good group. I absolutely loved that event. I loved it. And so did you bring books at that particular event that you were signing them? I did not. And I literally saw your link for your book, at least the download that was sent like a week or so earlier. So I think yes. we were able to get some digital copies to everyone that maybe, you know, went out. But literally, I stood in line for probably an hour afterwards talking to everyone, doing photos. And I was thinking, the book. Why did you have the book? So you you're gonna you gave me the play on this for next year for sure. Oh, Girl, let me tell you something, okay? You ready for this? When I asked Charlie Tremendous Jones how he sold 2 million copies of Life is Tremendous, this is exactly what he said. Ah, oh, tremendous, Mark. I gave 200,000 away. And that literally changed the way I saw utilizing my book as a value added. And so now I find myself giving books away on airplanes. And I gave two away at the health club yesterday. When one gentleman I've known for a long time who played basketball against my son said, I loved your first book, but I don't have any of your other ones. And I said, hold on. And I went out to my car and I was just walking in the gym to work out. And so I went out my trunk and I got him a couple of copies and, and they, they were so happy. And the, the joy that I get from giving those away. Yeah. Um, from a business standpoint, cost of sales. I mean, it's nothing. Right. Right. And so, but it's an investment in a relationship. And I it understand is. now what Charlie meant and why he did what he did. So yeah. I would implore you to think about doing that too, using your book as a relationship building uh, tool, if you will. I have to, I have to, and I have a stash in the trunk of my car, but I am horrible when it comes to travel, all the travel that I do. It's like, just put a couple copies in, you know, just right. get a second bag full of them. So say oh, I, no more. I have 10 or 15 in one bag that I carry through airports. See, I got to do you that. Know? I'm literally doing that from here on out. <laughs> and that's the great thing about what we do. Somebody says something that does what we do. I, I had a gentleman in Australia tell me he was a, one of the most popular speakers in Australia. And he said, Mark, if you're not mailing your books to your clients, especially the new ones that you write, mm -hmm. sending them to the people who've hired you in the past, you're missing opportunities. Okay. And then he proceeded to tell me why that strategy for him was so effective. And I'll never forget that, but it took me like five years to actually start doing that. And it took the pandemic for me to have the time, because as you know, if we're on the road all the time. If you're doing 30 or 40 or 50 gigs a year, Ooh. you don't have a whole lot of time. Yep. Right. And so I started mailing books out. And what I discovered during the pandemic was when I when I wrote a new book and I mailed 50 copies, I ended up getting two speaking engagements. Mm, love that. And that Absolutely was, I, that. I was doing it just trying to follow the advice of this gentleman I really respected and admired. So having said that, are you still teaching at the collegiate level? Or are you just doing the speaking now? 
No. Yeah. So I am no longer teaching. Miss it a little bit. Um, that was my next question. Is it was it hard for you to let go? Um, no, because everything I believe in season. So at the time that I walked away it was perfect. And it actually was right before the pandemic. Um, you know, I did not renew my contract, not knowing the world would shut down anyway. And, you know, in a couple of months and I literally was like, I'm going to refocus in on other business opportunities and things of that nature, but it all, it all worked out. Um, so yeah, we will see if I can, I don't want to be locked down uh, you know, at the higher ed level, but if I could do, you know, be a guest lecturer or something of that nature, yeah. I would, and I still get to speak at colleges, which gives me the same vibe. It, it scratches that itch, you know? So I understand. Yep. I do. I do work with high school and college sports teams. Oh, awesome. I got to work with the women's crew at Louisville and be mm -hmm. on the water with the coaches watching these world-class athletes do their thing. That's awesome. And those honestly, those are some of the most rewarding seminars I do. Uh, not to say that the business ones aren't, but there's something special about having a, a college athlete come up to you afterwards and say, you know, that those ideas on goal setting changed the way I'm looking at what I do. So th those are really fun. And I, I, I only do two or three of those a year, but I, if I could do them once a week, I would. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know what it gives it when, when you're around, at least for me, when I'm around younger adults, this is a different it's a different energy in a good way. You know, when right. I'm around professionals, it's, it's just still energy, but it's just different. So that, that young optimistic, you know, like, whoa, you know, you can see their wheels turning. I, yep. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I was 14 when I went to my first seminar and it literally changed my life. I went wow. from scrub to star on the basketball team in six weeks. And I went from a one, eight to a three with my grades in one quarter, mm. applying some really simple goal setting techniques. And so, but I was 14. So there's a part of me that feels obligated to to talk to some 14-year-olds, yeah. if that makes sense. Yep. So you, you've written two books. You're building an extraordinary speaking business. You're dynamic. You're intelligent. You're, you're, you've got information that's, that corporations desperately need. What advice would you offer women who, who aspire to do what you do? The first thing I would say is really to start to do some self-reflection and what I would call identity work. Who are you? One of the things that I really struggled with because I kind of grew up in this overachieving household, having to get all A's and getting the bachelor's and the master's and the doctorate is, you know, I was living a life and doing things that were really impressive to other people, but I wasn't even impressed with myself. It was mm. inconsistent with my private life. You know, I did didn't feel as secure as everyone thought. I was very insecure. I didn't feel as confident. Um, I wasn't really this powerhouse that I was projecting um, that I was. And so I realized little dysfunctions in how um, and, and cracks sort of in my identity where I so, actually. So if I could interrupt, your inside yeah. didn't match your outside. Correct. Correct. There was a there was a misalignment there, and so I really had to have some self-reflection, you know, and say, who are you, you know, mm -hmm. and have to shed who my mother wanted me to be, you know, my right. dad, my family, my this, you know, just living up to all of those things. And without the degrees, without the accolades, really, who are you? Are you worthy and worth it with none of that? Just being brandy, you know? Right. And once I got that taken care of and was able to build myself up, 
I was able to show up more authentically, more real, um, accepting, you know, my flaws, but still working, you know, to at a level of excellence, you know, and it, it really helped my friends shifted, my personal relations shifted, everything shifted. Uh, and maybe I'll say it shed first, you know, people disappeared and things kind of, uh, were in, seemed like they were in shambles, but when I, was able to put my life sort of back together. It was a real authentic life where I don't have anything to prove. And I own self be true. Yes. Yes. Literally. And there's something so freeing. Okay. I, I knew that had to have been Shakespeare and I'm not a well, big. It's from Hamlet to thine own self oh. be true. Then as follows as night to day with thou canst not be false to any man. Oh, Ooh, that could have been old Testament for all I know. That was, oh, it was. Well, Williams was an old guy. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. So before we run out of time, I want to, I want to pepper you with a series of fun questions. Okay. Let's do it. Rapid fire. Here we go. Okay. Uh, number one, would you rather have a window seat or an aisle on an airplane? Window for sure. Window. Interesting. Okay. Uh, would you rather lose your keys or your phone? Phone. I'll lose my phone. I can't lose my keys. <laughs> I asked that to a friend of mine yesterday at the gym. He goes, "Well, I have duplicates of all my keys, so I guess uh, phone." And I was like, "I don't have duplicates of my keys." What? Yeah. I'll oh, break through God. a window if I have to, but no, no, I gotta have my keys. My phone. I'll use the key to get back in the house to order a new phone. So I think. Oh, there I'm- you go. Okay. <laughs> so, would you rather be caught singing in the shower or crying at movies? Mm, definitely the movies my my singing game is on point the echo is on is on fire in my bathroom <laughs> but i don't know it's if it's hard ready. to be humble when you sing this good <laughs> mm-hmm. but crying at the movies that's definitely more like me so okay fair yeah. enough uh favorite sandwich oh man a favorite sandwich i'm going to say gosh this is a hard one because i'm an equal opportunity eater I'm going to say like a good old fashioned grilled cheese, like no with the way. buttery bread, crispy, the cheese pull. You got to use the butter. Got to use the butter. Got to. So if you, if you can do a good, you know, mama's, you know, grilled cheese with mm. the, some tomato soup on the side. I'm I'm all right with that. Or chili. Chili's or chili. Good. Or chili. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh I love those kinds of questions. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your closing thoughts. What well, advice would you would, would you offer? Uh, I would say, let me see. Okay, did I cut you off? Was there more to that question? No, just closing thoughts. Like a PS, because okay. we have like three, four minutes. So I just said, PS, uh, one other thing I wanted to share was. Sure. I would say um, for any of your listeners, we are shifting. The world is shifting and changing you know, make sure that you are optimizing your life. Um, I love when you're talking about freedom from fear and what your platform is like, this is the time, this is the now or never moment in our history where we really need to just decide what you're going to do, whether it's business, whether it's entrepreneurship in your career, uh, making those health changes, just decide and do it because the world is changing so rapidly that there is nothing promised, you know, to us over these next couple of decades. So I really would just encourage anyone fight through Um, the fear, the anxiety, the past, like be locked in, in the present and whatever you want to do, let's really make a move and take that first step 
to get it done. That that will probably be my best advice that I would love to share on a on a high level, you know, a thirty thousand foot view um, right. of where my perspective is right now. Yeah, I remember reading in a survey, and they asked a series of eighty and ninety year olds just before they passed away if they had any regrets, and they said, "Yeah, I regret the things I didn't try to do." Yes, I've seen that. I've seen that same study. Yes. And people, yep. And that, oh my gosh. And let me just say this with our couple, you know, seconds left. And the reason why I'm saying this, I had a health scare earlier this year and I thought I was going to go and see the Lord. I thought I was going to see the Lord early and I've never had an experience. You know, I've been afraid, scared, fearful of things. But when you really think you're really about to die, like for real, Mm-hmm. there's your your mind just has this moment and all I could think about I didn't care about my friends you know calling them I didn't really care about most family members I thought of the list of things that I did not get that off my list my bucket right. list my to-do list and that changed my perspective and so for um for anyone listening r- literally just do it no one's no one's gonna hear we're not gonna be thinking about it 200 years from now like it's no big deal you know put things into perspective best thing you can do well the beautiful thing about writing a book and being an author is in a very real sense uh you become immortal yeah because long after you and i are gone those books are going to be circulating and people will be reading and there'll be some girl sitting down uh, uh, at the base of a tree reading your book 50 years from now yeah. And it's going to change your life. Yeah. And what a lovely thought. Yeah. Right. Powerful. And and I tell other speakers and quite honestly, business clients, look, you need to write a book, even if it's even if it's just for you, you need to leave some kind of legacy. So I'm so grateful for you taking the time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I won't tell you about how my shoulder hurts because yeah. I know you're going to tell me to stop moving it. So Thank you for making the time. You're the cool breeze in a stuffy room. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it and can't wait to just connect and collaborate some more. It's going to be great. We'll figure something out going forward. All right. I'm down for it. GE Appliances and Air and Water Solutions is dedicated to serving the unique needs of the plumbing, heating, and ventilation and air conditioning industry. GE has launched a robust product portfolio that includes water heaters, water filtration, commercial HVAC, ductless and ducted HVAC. The GE team is focused on putting the pros at the center of our business by delivering an iconic trusted brand that is easy to sell, an innovation that makes installation easier, and dedicated to support that makes doing business simpler. At GE, we call this being pro-centric. To learn more and request information about GE, Go to geappliancesairandwater.com. That's geappliancesairandwater.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.